Did I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. And I can't sell them, so I sold one for 22 bucks. A Lafayette? Yeah. Grade 98. For 22 bucks? 22 bucks. It only went for 22 bucks. Yeah. Was that the uh, live auction on... uh... No, this is is just stuff that I have on on Hipstamp and eBay that that just sits out there waiting to get sold. Okay, well, live from the North Pole where there is no line, this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode number 332. I almost said 322. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center and nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Albert. This is Becca. This is Jim. And this is our holiday special, our Christmas holiday. Oh, shoot, I forgot my uh, Festivus poll. Okay, next time we will have the Festivus poll here. Because Festivus is very, very important to us all. Anyway, we have the history of Christmas stamps. We have the history of Santa Claus stamps. Many of our modern images of Santa Claus, including his descent down our chimneys, his beard, his round belly, and even his eight reindeer, Rudolph was to be added later, are portrayed in a visit from St. Nicholas, debatably credited to Clement Clark Moore, and published on December 23rd of 1823 in New York's Troy Sentinel. We picture Santa in a red suit, largely due to the influence of a Christmas season advertisement for Coca-Cola, drawn in 1931 by Haddon Sundblom, a Swedish illustrator. No matter how we gained our vision of Santa, he and his brethren, and at times even his sisters in other countries, have become a crucial part of Christmas pop culture. Personally, I have never believed Christmas season properly starts until Santa comes down 34th Street in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and this pop culture has, of course, extended to stamps. The USPS released the country's first Christmas stamp in 1962. But the first Santa stamp was not to come until 1972. On this first stamp, Scott number 1472, Santa is depicted with a trumpet and a bag of toys and with the words, "'Twas the night before Christmas printed above him. His next appearance would not come until seven years later when he was depicted as a Christmas tree ornament on Scott number 1800. Santa Claus has been depicted on many Christmas stamps since his first appearance. One of these is a set issued in 1991, 
Santa in chimney, Santa Claus checking his list, Santa with present, Santa at fireplace, and Santa in sleigh, which has generated some confusion over value. At the time the stamps were issued, the postal rate was 29 cents, but the USPS wanted an increase to 30 cents. For this reason, it was decided that no denomination would be printed on these stamps. Because of the lack of denomination, some postal clerks have seen these as invalid postage, according to an article by John Hotchner in a December 2018 issue of Lens. The most recent set of four Santa stamps was released on October 7th in Santa Claus, Indiana. These stamps, entitled A Visit from St. Nick, illustrate Santa's visit on Christmas Eve. The illustrator, Brad Woodard, used a palette of dark blue, red, green, pink, and gold brown. The four illustrations show Santa standing on the rooftop with one leg inside the chimney and a bag of toys across his back, Santa descending the chimney with his legs sticking out over the hearth, a close-up of Santa's winking face, and finally a picture of Santa in his sleigh as he flies away home. One of my favorite U.S. stamps featuring Santa Claus is the Christmas Carol's four stamp set released in 2017. The set of four stamps assembled together make up an image of a horse on the lower left, Santa's face on the lower right, lambs on the top right, and Christmas cookies on the top left. Around this image, lyrics from four different Christmas carols are printed. Although my personal choice is to usually not collect self-adhesive stamps, a full set of these would be an exception. Other countries have also used their versions of St. Nicholas, on whom Santa Claus is based, on their own stamp issues. The earliest of these stamps was issued by the Cinderella's in 1913. It depicted their... Julnis, who appears elfin and is clad in a red suit and is lighting a candle on a small Christmas tree with a child looking on. In 2021 alone, Canada, Christmas Island, Gibraltar, Greenland, Ireland, Jersey, St. Pierre and Miquelon, and Switzerland have issued stamps with a Santa-like topic. My favorite of these is Christmas Island snorkeling Santa. <laughs> I cannot choose a favorite from all of the stamps related to this topic ever released. Do you collect Santa stamps? If so, let us know what your favorite is. I like personally the 2018 one, which you uh, noted, uh, where it just shows the close-up of Santa. Very, very uh, stylish U.S. stamps. Now, isn't that the Coca-Cola version of, uh, yeah. of Santa? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're... They're very Coca-Cola. I wonder kind of if they're straight from Coca-Cola advertising. <laughs> they almost look like it. But they're forever stamps also, so you can still use them. Yes. Uh, that's another thing that some people have thought is that the 1991 issue, because it didn't have a denomination printed, was automatically a forever stamp, which it's not since it was issued all the way back then. But well, Maybe we could use it that way, huh? <laughs> you might be able to sneak it past, but don't try. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the, the issue where where one of the panes um, has uh, the same stamp, but uh, two different versions. Where there's a missing brick on one on one yeah, side, yeah, and then the brick is there on the other side. Yep, yep. Uh, I was going to say that although the first U.S. postage stamp was 1930, mm -hmm. 
the first uh, Christmas seal that pictured Santa was 1912. Oh. So if you look back in your um, specialized catalog of U.S. to Christmas seals, you find a Santa, a string of Santa stamps starting in 1912. And 13 was Santa and his sleigh. And in 1914 was another Santa. 1915 was a Santa face. And then in 1916, a Santa with his bag. Interesting. So the first Christmas official USPS stamp wasn't issued till 1962, but it was all the way back then that it started. If you really want to collect Christmas stamps, the first, the earliest one that I can think of right offhand is Canada 59, which was the Penny Post World, and it was issued in 1898, and it says Christmas Xmas on it. Interesting. Yeah. So. Well, Christmas is definitely something that I collect, and Santa will probably start being a special part of that collection now that I've done all this research on it. I find the Christmas postcards that I have in my collection are the Santa cards. Those are the, they're very popular, obviously. And especially when you get Santa in blue suits or green suits, not just the red suits. Yeah. Why don't you explain that real quick? Because that's actually a biggie for postcard collectors. Yeah, that is. Well, um, during the first half of the 20th century, from about 1904 or 05 to 1920-something, um, postcards were very, very popular. They were the email of the day. For one cent, you could send a postcard, a greeting card, and it would have a, a message on one side, and then you could write your message on the other. And the art, artists and illustrators of that era were very, very good. There's a lot of very nice early Santa Claus cards that um, high-quality paintings. And um, the ones that are most sought after are the type that uh, deltatologists, postcard collectors, what they um, look for is the oddball colors of the suits, things like that, that are not in our tradition now as much as they were back then. There are red-suited Santas, by the way, in that era, but... uh, I've got Santa in an airplane, Santa in a dirigible, you know. They they were very fanciful. And all of these were probably pre-1912, pre-1913s we're talking about. Yeah, the uh, cool thing that I see is uh, also the pricing. Um, You'll have red Santas. Then you'll have brown Santas and right. blue Santas. And gr- and for some reason, green Santas are the scarcest. Yeah. So if you have a postcard with a green Santa, you know, instead of it being a kind of almost, you know, 50% postcard, you might have a 10 or $15 postcard. And the prices used to be much, much higher than that in the past. Yeah. And, and they make a very nice display for Christmas. I put them on a uh, backing and mount them on the wall like a, a plaque or a Christmas wreath or something. But they bring a you know conversation piece into the home that you don't normally have at Christmas. I agree. Some of those old Christmas uh, postcards are definitely beautiful. I've got some of them as well. Another real interesting area is Christmas seals. And although we think of Christmas seals as being very, very, very common Cinderella stamps, the early Christmas seals between 
1907 and 1919 were actually printed by the Red Cross, and those, especially used on covers or cards, are really quite sought after, and there's some premiums paid for a lot of those. Oh, and 1907 on a postcard tied, tied. because you can always glue one on, but having it tied by the postmark is a big part of the value. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's a catalog? You have your Scott's catalog. It's, it well, the Does number it say on cover. The the number one says Merry Christmas on it, and it catalogs tied on cover at fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. And the number two says Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. In other words, they had a second printing, and they added the Happy New Year. And that one catalogs uh, $6,000 on cover. Yeah. Now, oh, I'm sorry, that's if both if you have both types on cover, $6,000. So the, I would assume that the 1500 is either one of those two values. The um, interesting thing, 1907, was it was issued in by the Delaware chapter of the American National Red Cross, um, Emily Bissell, who is the subject of a U.S. stamp, was the founder of that, or the head of that organization. But that was just a local. It was only used in Wilmington, Delaware. Well, in that area, because it was printed in Philadelphia, so there were some used in Philadelphia area too. But, But very local. The okay. next year, the National American, the American National Red Cross started publishing the, or printing the Christmas seals, and so then those became more used throughout the nation, and you would find more of those. the The number one and number two on cover, really scarce. Yeah, actually, or card cover. Most card. of them are scarce, tied on card. Yeah, and even the. Uh, once you hit like the 1920s and 1930s, they become, uh, unfortunately, they become pretty valueless. Yeah. However, if they're on a card tied, all of a sudden this valueless stamp is 5, 10, 15, 20 bucks. Yeah. The, it, catalog for the stamp might be 20 cents or 20, what, what the, whatever the minimum catalog stamp is. But yeah, if it's tied on a cover, especially an envelope. The, the ones that are really sought after are the ones sent to foreign countries. Foreign oh, destinations yeah. bring a big premium in these cards, too. Then there's also varieties of every one of these. Um, they were issued in sheet format. Some of them were issued in booklet format. So that the the booklet stamps and the booklet on cover, uh, if you can determine it came from a booklet, then it's worth more and so forth. And then the, the real premium one is the 1913... Um, design type one that has the poinsettia flowers and the green circles around the red crosses on either side and that stamp catalogs for $1,400 as the stamp yeah just as a single sure. yeah now the, when you get down to the two the two has the circles around the crosses removed and the three type three has the flowers the poinsettia flowers removed also and those you find both uh, mint. Not common, but they're... They're not common. The The thing that is so striking about it, that's the one with Santa sleigh, and it's in the uh, commemorative size format. So it's the longer format. And so it's very striking when it's on a card or, or a letter. And, um, th- and obviously those 
are out there, and they usually sell probably in the twenty-five to forty-dollar range, depending on the use. And but anyway, that's kind of a synopsis of the early Christmas seals. Up about in 1972 or so, they started issuing 50 different ones on a pane, and so to collect them all is virtually impossible because there's so many different ones. There aren't a lot of Christmas seal collectors because once you get into the 1940s, they're in such abundance that they don't have much value. I mean, for $5, you can get a collection of them. And that's just paying somebody for their labor mm-hmm. to put it all together. It's uh, but it they're isn't... avid. Those the people that collect that are avid. Oh, go, yeah. to the, go to the Christmas Seal webpage or the Cinderella dealers that are on the internet, and you can see that. I mean, there's articles, and they're they're very avid collectors. They're just, oh yeah. They're just not as many as there are in say that collect U.S. Well, the hitches. I mean, let's make pretend just numbers. Yeah. You have. 10,000 very, very active Christmas seal collectors, and you have 50,000 stamps. You know, every stamp collector who wants one can have five. Right. That does not bode well for the value of the stamps. Right. And as a matter of fact, I have right now, and I forget the year, I think it's 1932, I have a just like a plastic sheet holder and I think I have five sheets of it in different formats. There are five different formats, and I have one of each one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, anybody who wants it, you know, give, right. <laughs> drop, me, drop me an email, pay postage, because, you know, it, it holds nothing for me. Yeah, another, another thing, too, is that um, there's a lot of um, varieties that aren't listed in the catalog. So they have proofs. Um, different configurations in the booklets um imperforate yeah that's the intru- that's what i have is uh, there's like this full sheet then there's like a half sheet and then there's a booklet that's inside of the envelope so i actually have the envelope with it too and then two other ones where uh, you have the sheet and then in the middle of each sheet there's a special stamp mm-hmm and uh, it's different, and if I was to collect, I'd have a really good start on 1934 yeah. or 1932. I forget which one it is. What do you, <clears throat> what do, you do when you get a lot of uh, Christmas sales with a, with a collection? Uh, I put it into another box, throw it in a big junk box, and dump the box. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to say. Yeah. Yeah, it's just an accumulation of uh, gum paper is how, how I look at it. As. Yeah, well, the other thing, too, is you get Christmas seals, and then you get Easter seals, too. Mm-hmm. And Easter seals have no value. And it's just, uh, <laughs> it, it's literally, like you said, you know, 45 bucks a ton to the uh, recycler. Well, we've disparaged 10,000 collectors now, so. yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm going to uh, disparage one person who sent us an email. And thank you very much for your emails. All your emails get read, by the way. We, if we don't uh, mention it on the podcast, it's just it didn't fit in the topic at the time. But we got an email based on uh, the last e- podcast or the one before it. I'm 
not sure what the order these are going to go up on, except that this one's our Christmas one, so it'll go up sooner. Um, he said that stamps make a terrible investment. And I just want to address that really quick. Um, it, it's interesting because I got four envelopes of stamps from a dealer. And the dealer marked the catalog value in 1968 and 1972. And then I marked it in 2021. And it's like there's this one stamp here, set of stamps. It's Italy number 953 to 956. In 1968, it cataloged $1.03. In 1972, it cataloged $1.03. In 2021, it catalogs $1.05. <laughs> this is not a good investment. But it's because it's a low-value item. And I think that, uh, oh, my goodness, just about everybody. But uh, let's give a um, shout-out to Pat's Paragraphs. They said that uh, he said back in, when was he writing, the 70s? Try the 50s and 60s. <laughs> okay, 50s. And and before that. He said it is much smarter to buy one 25-cent stamp than 25 one-cent stamps. And that's kind of the same idea today is if you buy a whole bunch of $1 stamps, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, they might be worth a buck 10. But that's not where the increase in value comes from. And uh, you, uh, Albert, you look at the auction realizations. And it, why don't you talk a little bit about where the stamp market has gone over the last two years and what price level has been increasing? Well, the uh, area, two, thing, two areas are increasing. Um, um, one is in the, in the uh, graded material. We're definitely seeing that stamps that have, been, that have actually been graded um, have gone up probably about 15% in the last two years sometimes maybe more, especially if it's a rare stamp, um, something that it may be the, the, the finest known copy or the second finest copy, it will, it will bring sometimes uh, uh, one and a half times uh, what the SMQ says. And uh, the other area that seems to be going up is um, really specialized collected areas. So uh, um, right now, uh, Right now, we just had a sale in New York, which were um, they sold the unused two-cent Hawaiian missionary that actually brought more than what the customer paid for it, as well as a lot of his other stuff, which he paid. A lot of it he bought in the last two years, and it's, it brought, uh, in some cases, it brought one and a half times what, uh, what the gentleman had paid for it um, in, in the time he had bought it. But, yeah. but, but in anything, it's all, it's all based on demand. So it's it's what what people think is is interesting and what they want to collect. We have a lot of people who who've picked up collecting in a lot of different areas because of the time off for the COVID. So it'll be interesting to see what remains popular after in about two years. Well, one thing that you brought up there is the graded stamps. Graded stamps have been a great investment since two thousand eight. 
if you bought graded stamps back in 2001, 2002, 2003, when it first started, there was so much hype in the market that uh, the prices went way up. And then they started, it started getting, let's say, weak. Didn't actually have a drop. But then in 2008, when the recession came, the price of graded stuff just nosedove. It probably was down 25, 30%. Since 2008 to today, it has come back to where it was back in 2002 and stuff. But you're talking about, you know, 13 years of growth to get back to where it was. So it depends when you bought it. Personally, I think graded items are going up a lot. But it's, I love on stamp boards. They'll show this three cent parks stamp. And it probably sold because two people didn't like each other. <laughs> Because at the time, the stamp was selling for about $300. Today, it's selling for about $200. So, you know, you have the hype. But this one went to auction, and it sold for like $4,000. And it had to be two people just didn't want the other person to have it. Because there's no reason other than something weird going on that the stamp would go up that high in value. But it is interesting. Well, the one thing we were discussing this downstairs was Zeppelin stamps. And uh, the best known Zeppelin set sold in 1981. It was described as superb. And it sold for $10,000 plus 15% buyer's commission. So it was $11,500. Well, if today those stamps got graded, and forget them getting 100s. If they just got grade 98s, meaning they were superb. If they got grade 100s, then, you know, wow. But it, it just say they got grade 98 superbs. That would have been a really, really good investment. If they had gotten 100s, then, you know, <laughs> you're, you're talking, you know, uh, down payments on houses and stuff. But the... Uh, so the timing matters a lot. But again, I don't think I'm a collector and a dealer. Mark, you're a collector and a dealer. Jim, you're a collector and a dealer. Albert, you're you're sort of a collector. Oh, no, I absolutely collect something. Yeah, and a dealer. Becca, you're a collector. I mean, I think you can do both. I don't think that you can be a collector and an investor. I think those two run diametrically opposed to each other. Do you think I'm right or wrong there? Well, I think it it, it doesn't that it, it isn't that it runs diametrically opposed. It's just two different ways of looking at it and therefore is also two different approaches to the same stamp. Um, if the same, if if a collector is looking at the stamp that fills his um, set out and it may not be perfect, it may not be perfectly priced for him, but that's the stamp he needs, he's probably gonna pay for that. He's probably gonna pay a premium to fill out his set, where an investor would be foolish to go into the business world with that mindset. That mindset's gotta be, 
is there going to be a return? Yeah. I would agree with Jim, but I would also say that I, as a collector, may not be interested in a certain stamp, but as an investor, I may know that it's worth something and it's being sold for much less, so I may buy it anyway, even though I personally don't like it. Yeah, I think that's just taking advantage of uh, your finds when you find them. What, what is it, Albert? They said education is everything. Well, it's, it's Knowledge is everything. I, all I can say is, is that as a collector, I've spent as much as $20,000 on a single item, and I've, I haven't begrudged it. I've been actually very happy to own it. And uh, normally when you sell your collection, among the things that, that you do best on is the things you paid the most for if it was of great quality yeah, or uniqueness. That I absolutely, I absolutely agree with that, but I don't think people bought that stamp to put it in their collection as an investment. They... They like the return. And if there was no return on stamp collecting, then nobody would spend $1,000 for a stamp. If you were spending $1,000 for a little piece of paper to fill a hole in your book with no ability whatsoever to get your $1,000 back, I don't think anybody would pay the $1,000. So intuitively, we all look at it as a sort of small I investment, not a capital I investment, sort of like buying your house. Your house is an investment, but realistically, it's where you live. <laughs> yeah. well, I think I think a better analogy is buying a car. If you buy a new car, you don't ever expect to get your money back out of it when you sell it. But there are certain cars that go up in value um, and sell for multiples of what the original sticker price was. But people don't buy cars as an investment, they buy it for other reasons. And I think that's the that's the mindset of a collector. I collect it because I like it, and yeah, someday I'll be able to sell it for something, but it, I'm, I don't care if I get my money out of it or not. I, I enjoy the, the co- hobby that much more. Yep. Like this Hungarian set out of the same fellow's uh, inventory. In 1968, it cataloged $1.47 per set. Uh, he has full sheets of them. They're 10 each. So this was $14.70. In 1972, it went up to $3. So that was 30 bucks. In 2021, it's worth $2.60, which means it's worth uh, $26 for the set. Uh, again, $14 to 26 is, uh, eh. Yeah. <laughs> but I recall at the turn of the century... Uh, there was discussion as to whether it's a good idea to, if you're getting into collecting, to start collecting from the year 2000 forward. And if you were to do that, if you have a collection now of mint stamps from 2000 forward, it's actually worth more, much more than than face value, because so many of them have become premiums. Yeah. Um, that you know, even an auction now, at wholesale auction. Um, Modern stamps, modern forever stamps, are selling for overface to dealers who intend to mark it up and sell and resell them. Um, it is starting with the Express Mail booklet of three stamps. I think that is like the the starting point. From there on, every priority or Express Mail stamp is worth far more than face value. None of it is discount postage. Well. 
I won't say none of it, but very, very rarely will you find that stuff as discount postage. That would be a good investment, and it's a short time frame, too. Like I, like I said on some other podcasts, if we have inflation like we did in the 1970s, I believe that those sort of items, the express mail and the priority stamps, those are going to be the equivalent of the airlift plate blocks that uh, have $4 face value and we're selling every place for 20 to $25 each. Mm -hmm. They have the Bethesda Fountain. Yeah. $25 face value about. And they're now selling for $100. Yep, four times face. And that's not unusual. A lot of it is selling for double face. Some of it is selling for three times face. The Bethesda Fountain is just a... And also the Joshua Tree followed in the same time frame. That's also selling at four times face. Uh, it's a $7 and uh, $7 and something cent stamp, like seven fifty, And it's selling for like 30 bucks. So again, you're a four times face value. Uh, that one is an unusual issue or issue because it was kind of a short period of time. They raised the right rate in August and then they raised it again in January. So the Bethesda fountain rate was not in effect for very long. And that restricted the number of them that are out there. And the same thing with the Joshua tree. But yeah, if you're going to invest in Bethesda fountains and uh, Joshua tree stamps, my suggestion is you don't hold them for you know indefinitely. At some point, the price is going to go up and uh, they need to be dumped. That, see, that's the other thing about investing is you can't have that emotional tie to it because you've got to look at it and say, okay, um, this has gone up in value. I'll, I'm going to take my money. It's like the stock market. You know, you, you, you just can't be emotionally tied to it the way a collector would be emotionally tied. Yeah. So it's a different mindset to, to, to collect with the idea that you're going to make money. You have to change that mindset to My, buying and selling. And that's why I think that being a collector and being an investor are very difficult to pull off. Oh, yeah. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody, and uh, Happy New Year. Thank you. We need your help. Nothing on the Internet is free, including our phone and Internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! Yeah! <laughs>
You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.